Butter With That, a movie podcast where a group of friends get together and talk about movies uh, and uh, the ideas that come with them. Um, this, <laughs> it, it's true. No lies here. Um, nope. It's about the friends we made along facts. the way. It's about the journey, not about the achieving happiness and success and... You know, oh, God. oh boy um so we are talking this month about doomsday movies uh had a wonderful conversation about night of the comet last week uh thinking about if yeah the everyone in the world except for a handful crumbled to dust um before we get into this week's movie uh, about Doomsday, I want to kind of open it up to folks. Have people uh, watched some wonderful movies or are getting excited about any movies to come? I saw two very different mm. movies. Uh, the Mr. Rogers documentary, Won't oh You my Be gosh, My Neighbor? Oh my gosh, how was that? Um, it was good. I know nothing about Mr. Rogers until this documentary. Not an important part of my childhood in what? any way, shape, or form. I've never seen an episode. I mean, I'm only 12, so... You know. That's right. We we established. <laughs> I've probably seen an episode here or there, but I had no idea he was a pastor, and like be- making this TV show is his ministry of like teaching kids that like it's okay to like live in this world, and like he did episodes about like the assassination of RFK, and like I'm hearing assassination a lot. Like, what does this word mean? And uh, it was really heartfelt and touching, and like how much he wanted to reach out to kids and like bring racial include um you know um like bring crossing racial boundaries yeah. with his TV show and. Yeah, I saw a clip of the mailman. I, I can't remember his name now, but they shared a pool together. But it was just their feet in the pool, and the the actor who played the mailman couldn't believe that mm-hmm. he would do that on national television, which is like that's fucked up. But mm-hmm. like that's just what society was like back then. And they go into the whole detail of like his show and how he ran it, and uh, it's on HBO now right now as of this recording. It's just, I highly recommend watching it. And then I watched The Prestige, also on HBO. Two very different movies. Oh, I love The Prestige. Um, at one point in time, it was my face, uh, favorite Christopher Nolan movie. I don't know if it still is. I still really like it. Um, but it just felt a little long watching it the second time. I don't know. Oh, Wait, see. Wait, it was your favorite one, but you've only seen it once? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it was an impactful <laughs> one. Interesting, yeah. See, The Prestige is a movie I wanted to watch immediately after it was over, mm-hmm. I, the first time I saw it. I thought that movie was, like, incredible. I was always in like the Prestige versus the Illusionist. I was always an el- team Illusionist. Really? Because really? yeah. the Illusionist uh, isn't great. So- I really like that movie. I mean, I want to like that movie because I like Paul Giamatti and Edward Norton, of course. And uh, the guy who plays Wilhelm whatever whatever. There's one British actor that I love. Anyhow. So I have a really funny story about the Illusionist. When Netflix still delivered DVDs, I accidentally ordered the Illusionist instead of the Ooh. prestige and just watch <laughs> it anyway prestige. because i had it yeah and i was like this is not that great and i got the prestige and i was like oh this is really good yeah yeah it was like that was like it's always weird when stuff like that happens when there are movies that are like kind of marketed as being very similar like just come out the same year and then they just confuse everyone the whole time that they're out yeah I forget when the last time we, like, actually recorded was, because did we talk about how I saw Total Recall? Because I really loved Total Recall a lot. The only other thing I can't think of... No, we didn't talk about it. Okay. Well, I saw Total Recall. Because that movie's amazing. And, oh my god, that movie it's is amazing. Is great, movie. It movie is, is so good. Like, I, it might be one of my favorite movies. I gave it five stars. Like, I loved that movie. And, like, I didn't grow up watching, like, Schwarzenegger movies at all. So, like, it was, like, not a thing. And I don't think my mom likes his, like, action movies or anything. So I just, like, never experienced them. So I'm, like, now experiencing all of these. Like, seeing Predator for the first time recently. And, like, uh, Terminator. You gotta see Commando. Oh, Commando's another one that's, Maybe like, on my list to get a scene. But, like, damn. Like, total... Re- the practical effects in that movie are insane. And there are so many parts of that movie that I have seen in, like, GIFs or memes mm-hmm. and stuff that I, like, didn't realize were a part of my life, too, which is, like, kind of funny. We were sort of talking about that with Alien a little bit ago, too, of, like... Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. And, like, Predator, too. Like, the, the arm wrestling, like, uh, meme, that's from Predator, and I didn't know <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> 
Um, the only other thing I haven't talked about that I saw was uh, before we watched um, The Perfection, which I really liked. We watched because it was only 30 minutes and we were like, that's the perfect amount of time for us to eat Chinese food. Uh, we watched The Lonely Island Presents The Unauthorized Bash Brothers Experience. How is it? I keep seeing little promos for it. It's so weird. It's just a series of their music kind of videos, funny. right? It's funny, but it's just weird as fuck. And I don't know shit about like baseball players, so I don't know anything about the Bash Brothers. And so I guess they were like known for like hitting a lot of home runs and doing a lot of steroids but it's supposed to be making fun of like Beyonce or some of those other people that do these like long ass like Mm -hmm. music video experiences but um, Jenny Slate is or Jenna Slate is on Jenny. it is Jenny okay yeah. she's in one of the parts of it uh, Maya Rudolph is also in it which like she came in and she sings this song called Nasty Butt <laughs> and I was just like sitting there I was like you know what man like you're married. You got kids. She's also married to um PT Anderson. PT Anderson. I was like, mm. what a weird like couple. And what a like I'm just so it's glad like, you're out here like singing a song called Nasty, Nasty Butt, Butt after after this stuff. Like I think it's amazing. <laughs> what is but, this on? Uh it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's it was like entertaining, but the whole time I was like, what the fuck am I I mean the Lonely Island is so weird, but the whole time I was like, I, I what am I there watching? Are other, like mockumentary movies. Yeah, they did one on, like, the tennis pop, players. Pop tennis. star never stopped stopping. They did a bike okay, cycling one, right? Yeah, the, I mean, yes. I think I saw was, a little bit of that. It was weird. It was weird, but it was funny. <laughs> and then the one, because um, the tennis one stars Kit Harrington. <laughs> oh, really? Uh-huh. It's fucked up, That's but it funny. is funny. Oh, interesting. I'm on a boat was a huge part of my high school time. Oh, of I course. I throw it on the ground, that other one. Yeah. Um, well, the first one I remember seeing was um, Lazy Sunday, which I thought was the funniest thing ever yeah. when it came out. Whenever I watch Rick and Morty, because Chris Parnell voices Jerry in Rick and Morty, I just always think of Lazy Sunday. I love Chris Parnell's voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, comforting when I hear it in things. If you could just, like, narrate books. Uh, yeah. Whenever uh, I love 30 Rock. He, he just plays a random doctor mm-hmm. on 30 Rock that's, like, really bad at his job, but he's so good. Dr. Spaceman. <laughs> yes, Dr. Spaceman. Yes. Yep. Prognosis is not looking good. I mean, you're going to live. You're going to be fine. <laughs> um, Sam, did you have uh, something you were looking forward to? Sure. So I watched i did a double feature the first movie i watched was godzilla and then the second was rocket man and rocket man was i had really high expectations but it exceeded all of them um taron edgerton worked so hard and you can see that it really paid off um the movie is it starts and is framed around elton telling his story at um group therapy during his stint in rehab and I, i mean it's such incredible storytelling especially after like the shitty shock and awe storytelling we've been getting with like Marvel and Game of Thrones um it starts with Elton dressed like super flamboyantly in one of his stage outfits. And then as he's telling his story, he's taking bits of that costume off until the end when he's like there in just a robe that he's like covering himself with. And he feels like really vulnerable and honest with people. And and it's just incredible. Incredible. It's so incredible. And then like the the kind of the last sequence when he leaves rehab, he's like dressed in all white and he's wearing a straw hat with like the rainbow on it. So he's mm-hmm. like really uh, he, himself mm-hmm. and he starts singing, um, I'm still standing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's so great. And I, I cried several times throughout the movie. And, um, you know, watching it, I, I felt like I knew a lot about Elton's story and his career, but I really was missing so much. And there's so many different parts where you're like, holy fuck, man, this dude was just abused by the people who were supposed mm. to love him yeah, in his it's life. Very sad. It's mm. a story. Like, from starting with his mother, his fucking father was a garbage yeah. man. Mm. All he wanted was like <laughs> a hug and just like some physical intimacy with his father. So, like, a garbage human, not like an actual garbage man? Not a trap. Or both. Not a, not no. A sanitation worker. <laughs> You know, you say garbage work. You say yes. that, right? And I think of that Agreed. one movie with Tony Danza where he wants to be a football kicker and they're like, We want a kicker, not a garbage picker. I think about that movie 
all the time. Um, anyway, back to the point. Um, the fact that Elton was able to persevere f- through all the shit that he went through is like, what an icon, truly. Like, what an incredible dude. I heard he, like, I, let, uh, what's his name, Taryn Edgington, right? Taryn Edgington, yeah. Yeah, he, like, let him read his, like, personal diaries or something. Like, stuff that, like, he hadn't ever let, like, other people look at, like, to get in the role of being him, which I thought was so interesting, too, that, like... I've heard, like, from from a couple people I know have seen the movie that, like, first, it's just, like, one of the best biopics in, like, a very, very yeah. long time. And, like, s- like second, it's just, like, one where this person is still alive and they contributed to that. And yeah. so, like, hearing, like, that he contributed so much is, like, read, like, these very, very personal parts mm-hmm. of, like, myself that I've, like, not, like, shown anyone else in yeah. order to, like, make you become, like, a, become me as a character is, like, really interesting. And I think he basically said, like, I think it was Elton John was like, this needs to be R-rated because I did not live yeah. a PG-13 life. Yeah, he did say that. What a great line. And you know what? Taryn in interviews and, and, and appearances that he's done since has looked exhausted and I think that this movie took a lot out of him. Mm. And so like it doesn't surprise me to hear that Elton did share all that. And could you imagine like that emotional weight mm. that you're carrying because you're like this person is it's a biopic of their life and I have to understand what they yeah. went through so you're like dealing with all of that and still knowing them as a real person it, like bizarre and it's a job that like I could never have but it was so good and um, Taryn and Jamie Bell together are amazing I love Jamie Bell so much Um, and it really shows like Elton and Bernie's relationship was so important Um, I think like the best moments like the best uses of the song are um, when they do your song and when they do um, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and it's both with like um, Elton and the character that Jamie Bell plays his name is Bernie um, Richard Madden was great in it too. King of the North, my heart. He's the worst dude. John Reed fucking sucked, but Richard plays it so well. And um, Taryn and Richard sing a song together called Honky Cat. And the sequence that they use that song for is brilliant it's phenomenal and you really can see like what kind of dude john reed was in just like different scenes all throughout that song them singing together it was like see this movie it was phenomenal and the songs that they used just fit seamlessly into it and i think that there are certain songs that they used like um to to do like interludes and to show you a point like time is changing so um they do I want love like that song made me cry and then pinball wizard was so good too. It was see it. Just see the movie. Do all the actors do the singing? Yeah. Mm hmm. I think one of my favorite tweets about it was someone said, I can't wait for 20 years to get the Lion King years. When oh, Terry I know, yeah. is like in his forties and <laughs> doing the yeah. Lion King. Yeah. And I've been listening to the soundtrack almost nonstop. Um, Taryn does a fantastic job. Yeah. So go see it. I hope this is a big break because he's so good in those Kingsman movies, and so I hope that. This and is yeah, like... he's a good actor, and mm-hmm. I feel like this is definitely like his like yeah. showcase moment. Yeah, kind of. He was yeah. in um, Testament of Youth as well. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> well, throwback. <laughs> I like that you said it like you didn't know, and that was your movie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Your... Oh. Oh. Um, want to give a big shout out to our friend Alana who introduced us to a new movie, uh, a very, uh, a curse. Uh, uh, some might call it a curse. Others might call it new insight into the I was, I was not present for this. Unfortunately, I had a family obligation, but it was butter minus Tori plus Alana. Yeah. But <laughs> there's some math algorithm. Yeah. There. There's Yeah. This uh, this movie was called Fateful Findings uh, by director Neil Breen. Writer, director, Writer, producer. excuse me, music supervisor. Caterer. Caterer. <laughs> well, he catered on top of the everything credits. else. Dude, I couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> Dave, could you provide a quick synopsis of Fateful Findings? No. Do you have to, <laughs> you have to <laughs> you take on the impossible task uh, of describing the movie. this movie this is great. It's like there's no spoilers. It's, um, you really can't spoil the movie. It's wonderful. I'm excited. I, I do really, really want to watch this movie. She said there's another one of his that's insane that she wants us to watch too, so I hope to see that as well. I'd say to the initiated of The Room or films of that ilk, uh, this this might surpass The Room. This might be like Neil Breen making Tommy Wiseau look like, uh, I don't know, like 
almost like Kubrick, like like a functional director by comparison. <laughs> astonishingly, it, I couldn't believe my eyes. So it's it's a real seeing is believing movie, and I would recommend that no one watch it. But if you're gonna watch a truly awful film, then uh, and you appreciate that kind of thing, then this is a uh, this is like one of the top two, if not maybe number one. It's wild. The last twenty minutes, my mouth was just gaping open from just. <laughs> I was astonished, and like a truly great or truly horrible movie, you have no idea what's coming at <laughs> any given. Surprise at every turn. I haven't stopped thinking about it. So many suicides. So many. That's all I'll say about that. I couldn't believe wow. it. I really couldn't believe it. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about that at some point. I'm sure. We can. You know what? Every episode, we just throw in a new little insight about Fateful Findings. Mm-hmm. I'll say it has like a primary cast of like five humans, and then starring like sixteen like laptops. Uh, yeah. Uh, from like two thousand three, <laughs> and then like oh, is that when they were made? Like four books. No, that this was made like twenty fifteen. I think. Oh, oh, okay. Twenty sixteen. Uh, the laptop budget was very like high slash low just a lot of old laptops that get thrown around and destroyed he's constantly using them but they're not on as he's hacking into all the truth <laughs> all the information all, all the government secrets. all the secret government and corporate secrets oh, national, yes. and international. national and international i knew they put them all in one place yeah. <laughs> and it may or may not be a small little black cube that he can find himself inside. Oh, the actually trash bag room. A room covered oh, in trash bags. I want to see the rock One room. of the most artistic scenes, I will give him credit for that. Um, so if that doesn't get you excited, you know, that just a, those little details alone should make you want to go out and find some I think it's on random Vimeo. illegal stream of it. Oh, Voodoo or Vimeo, something like that. It's I, think, a- I think I have maybe one of those things. Um... If you do want to order the DVD, it'll take four to six months, right? For Neil Breen to personally send it to you. Oh my God, will he do, send us a signed copy? He'll send you a, an un, as I understand it, an unlabeled DVD in an empty jewel case. Sounds right up my alley. Wow. Yeah. Well, all right. Thank you, Neil Breen, for that. Uh, <laughs> more, and, more to come. And more, more to come. Uh, we're going to uh, transition into our main segment and talk about uh, this week's movie, Doomsday movie, uh, that was my pick. It's a 2011 movie called Take Shelter uh, by director Jeff Nichols, uh, starring Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain. This is a movie that I had never seen before, but when we were talking about uh, kind of end of days, apocalypse, doomsday theme, I was kind of wanting to see a movie that I hadn't seen before, but I love Michael Shannon and had read some pretty good things about it. So I decided decided to watch it Um, just as a quick kind of overview before I pass it on to to Tori to talk about the trailer. uh, This movie is about this guy, Curtis LaForche, LaFour, yeah, um, who has a seemingly together life, uh, solid relationship with uh, Samantha, his wife, Jessica Chastain, another Samantha, whoa. Uh, Samantha with that. I'm feeling my territory kind of being invaded here. Good job of financial stability, uh, but he starts to see weather patterns that suggest impending apocalypse, like motor oil rain, thundercloud skies, hordes of birds. Uh, And although he lives in southern Ohio, where weather and tornadoes and stuff like that can commonly happen. He basically feel fears the end is near and start to essentially clean out and expand uh, a tornado shelter that's already on his property. Um, and so we sort of see how that unfolds and how it uh, impacts the, his family and the characters in his life and himself as well. Um, so I'm going to throw it over to, to Tori to talk about uh, trailer and marketing for this movie. Um, yeah, well, the trailer for this movie was was interesting. I mean, it's definitely like a trailer that's just like, look at how esteemed it is and shows you like all of the like, this is an indie movie that people like. Like the, the, the leafy oh, parenthetical. The leafy parenthetical. <laughs> many, many leafy parentheticals Laurels, in the trailer yeah. here. Never forget. Um, <laughs> and, or a leafy parenthetical. And, and as I was watching it, like, it's interesting. It just kind of like, it is a very slow open opens up with him and his friend who I'm really upset I forget that actor's name but they're both in Boardwalk Empire together um the man beside him his friend who's playing who plays um Nucky's brother who's the cop um, oh that yeah dude. that dude he's a great actor I've seen him in a bunch of random stuff here and there um he plays so it's like, D-Wirt 
or Dewart. Dewart. Okay. Yeah. Um, So he, yeah, it was like kind of cool, like seeing them together and also like both very different and very interesting actors who I like a lot in these kind of movies. Um, Actually, that guy that's in Boardwalk Empire is also in um, some of the Fast and Furious movies. (laughs) Dewart. So there you go. Dewart. Um, but yeah, it like shows him, it shows his family and, and it does start to be like, um, it, it definitely has the feel of like, you're delving into someone's paranoia and immediately like him worrying that like something's happening. But then in the trailer, it also mentions like his mother was diagnosed with schizophrenia in her thirties. Um, and so also like just maybe discrediting this person and showing that like the people around him also feel like he's like losing his mind a little bit as he's like expanding this like tornado shelter and stocking up on all these goods and kind of hiding this from his family. Um, so the trailer is really interesting and definitely, uh, a type of movie that seems really up my alley as well. Um, years and years ago, I tried doing a blog that was like double features of different movies. Um, and I did one of two movies that um, are called the, for, the movies are the invitation, which is amazing. Um, yes, great movie. So and, um, another movie called they look like people. Yes. Oh shit. That movie is so good, which is also very good. Both movies I really, really love and both deal with people's paranoia and um, trying to discern if, the things that are going on are like just happening in this person's mind or if there is some like actual validity to the things that are going on. And so immediately when I saw this trailer, it reminded me of these two movies, which both movies are really amazing. And one of them, the person's um, paranoia is totally founded and there is something going on. And the other movie is like it is kind of all in their head. And you realize it's someone who needs like mental health, like um like resources and help. Um, so it was interesting because I have not seen this movie. And so I don't really know what's going on. And so, um, it was, it was definitely one where I was like, Oh, I'm like really interested to see the route that this movie could take because I've seen two movies that seem to be kind of similar that went in different directions with it. Mm. So great. Uh, I'll pass it over to Sam who did the reviews. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a 92%, the audience gave it an 81 and I'll say that just by reading the reviews from both the critics and the audience, I definitely want to see this movie. It sounds super intriguing. So, um, this dude, his name is Tom Huddleston, um, from timeout.com. <laughs> <laughs> what a name. Um, he said it's hard to recall a film which presses its finger quite so firmly on the pulse of middle-class middle American desperation as this striking second feature from Jeff Nichols, the director. Um, he says that, um, Michael Shannon's character, his name is Curtis, which by the way, I've never met a good Curtis. I don't know, but how many of you feel about, but I've never in my life. Our class president was named Curtis. I don't think I've ever met a Curtis. And he was okay. Yeah, he was fine. I think they, like, made him not be class president because there was a video of him doing shrooms, but, like... Nice. <laughs> All right. I'll accept. Well, anyway, um, so... Not my president. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Curtis is the decent guy plagued by visions, um, and that routine has been done to death and everything. As a result, there are a few scenes, scenes which feel a little over-familiar as Curtis explodes with rage at innocent bystanders that... Uh, or concocts elaborate paranoid fantasies involving those closest to him. But unlike those films, Take Shelter is not simply the story of one man's journey to the edge, but the state of the nation address um, detailing exactly where America, and by extension the world, is headed if we all fail to look up and see the clouds gathering, which I thought that was kind of mm, interesting. That is interesting. Um, then this really fantastic... Um, New York Times review. So um, it says that the greatest fear a man can experience is that the losing of the good life that he has. And this this article goes to talk about masculine anxiety, which was a term that is completely new to me. Um, but it's really like there's something I want to spend some time thinking about. Um, 
That sounds like a real thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So it continues on to say, like, it is a quiet, relentless exploration of the latent and not-so-latent terrors that bedevil contemporary American life, a horror movie that will trouble your sleep, not with visions of monsters, but with a more familiar dread. And so he continues to say, we have it pretty good, but it is hard and harder to allay the suspicion that a looming disaster, economic, environmental, human, or divine, might come along and destroy it all. Normalcy can feel awfully precarious mm-hmm. which like so, as soon as I read that my anxiety started to like lady panic was here like my my heart started beating a little fast I mean that's just like is life <laughs> now is like navigating weird anxieties yeah yeah and so the, this person continues um their name by the way is A.O. Scott um continues to say like this movie would have been entirely different if M. Night Shyamalan did it or... Um, <laughs> oh, God. Like, 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 put it in the hands of Christopher Nolan, M. Night Shyamalan, it would have been entirely different. So the fact that Nichols made such, like, deliberate choices to show it as, like, this dude's possible descent into madness was so unique and really, really well done. And it even says here, like, Curtis believes that he's delusional, but he also believes in his vision. And... I, I just think that's that's so fascinating because that is such real life to be both ashamed of his condition and determined to seek treatment, but at the same time not being able to sh- shake the convin- conviction that this shit is really happening. So, damn, I want to see this movie. Now, um, the the audience, the fans, um, they were a little bit more split, it seems, but overwhelmingly they were mostly positive. I did have to find... Um, Two that weren't because they were kind of funny. Um, so this person, Joshua C., he said, this is terrible. One of the worst movies I've sat through literally two hours of him making a shelter. And like... <laughs> it's like, well, he's not well, wrong. He, he's not yeah, wrong. That's a bit like... I mean, it's... Oh, a bit of a surface level watch. Yeah, but you know what? It, it, it kind of <laughs> sounds like I wrote this review just because like that's something I would fucking do. But, but I do feel like maybe this person is missing the point a little bit. I sometimes think that there are people who go to the movies to see an action movie not to think too much while there are other people who like to solve a puzzle um who do want to be confused surprised be taken on a ride i think like both are valid forms of watching uh, movies like for instance so my roommate and i are a lot like this like this dichotomy here after a long day she likes to watch shows and movies where she doesn't have to to think and she doesn't have to invest a lot of attention into where like i'm the exact opposite i want like to be sucked in immediately. And so I think that like this criticism can be valid if you're someone who just wants to see like, I want to see shit happen. And like, maybe I don't want like the intricate details of a person's life to be the the monster essentially. I feel like we, this sounds like conversations we've had, like movies about the witch, which like is one of my favorite horror movies, but like I've talked to people who don't like that. And like, I'd, me. like, like me, like you. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I don't understand that at all, but like, it's not, it's not a quintessential horror movie it's not like the you know like there were a bunch of people you know who go to horror movies and look for a certain type of thing and it was very obvious that that was not the kind of movie that they were going to be getting and would be disappointed by their experience you know Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's I think some of that is like in in marketing and things like that too and so like when I watch a trailer like this I I expect more of a movie that like we've we've kind of talked about and that people like seem to like but so it seems like someone like him who's like this is just a dude building a shelter and stuff it's like eh, well like i mean the trailer didn't like make you not feel that way <laughs> <laughs> so i don't really know exactly what you were trying to get out of it's this not like experience. the movie is a two-hour home depot ad <laughs> but also the what did you love take i mean you, you get an idea kind of a line item budget of how much he's spending like, on six thousand four hundred dollars like, remember yeah. back in the day when we got a uh, pokemon card seeing the pokemon yeah. movies yeah. they give you a home depot like coupon when you go see take shelter <laughs> oh my god <laughs> It's like all the things you can buy. Um, the the one yeah. other review that I just, because it's so stupid. Um, a thought-provoking analysis of the human condition. We all have mental health, but what does that mean? What, what, what do you does mean? That mean? 
One star. Um, You're right. What does that mean? Person that fucking wrote that thing? This person didn't include a name, and I was like, yeah, fucking rightly so. Karen. (laughs) Idiot number one. Uh, Something that I think both Sam and Tori touched on is this question of, like, what is real and what is imagined. And I'd love to get Connor's thoughts on this because he watched it. Mm -hmm. Um, And does this idea of does the movie create uh, contrasting points of view and trying to understand whether his these visions or hallucinations are real or not? And how do we evaluate what is real sensation and and what is acknowledged as as real doom uh of some sorts um and is there like does throughout the movie do we still think that those are two distinct possibilities either real environmental apocalypse or um him kind of wrestling and addressing with um like like possible uh challenges with mental illness or things like that or is there uh could there possibly be a merging of the two um and thinking about um kind of real real sensations and feelings connor what are some general feelings you had about (laughs) about the um about the movie i really like this movie it was one when i the day i watched it i was like this is pretty good but as time has gone on i've kind of similar to us as i think about it more i've it's like has grown on me a lot the idea of like uh, the sort of basic plot of the movie is like, is he hallucinating this or isn't he? But I don't think that's necessarily like the point of the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm really glad you brought up the point of masculine anxiety. Because I think time and time again, the theme is that he is trying to protect his family. And he's having these prophetic like visions of his dog attacking him of birds just like swarming him and his child and like dying in front of them and like he can feel the pain of like the dog biting him all day and like can like every time it rains like touches his fingers to see if it's like that motor oil rain that he sees in the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. so i think he's someone who's really struggling with like i really need to try to like protect my family at all costs um I think some trouble where the movie gets like some criticisms I have is that it does feel a little like white man not telling his wife about something that he's doing. And like there's some kind of it it verges to like crossing into that stereotype kind of world. But then it backs off. And then like Jessica Chastain, I think this is the first movie I've ever seen her in, which is kind of like a funny realization of like this great actress. And you see Crimson Peak? No. Oh. I feel like we had a conversation. Well, whatever. Fuck it. You didn't but, see the help? <laughs> nope. Uh, but she was phenomenal in this movie. And really, I think the standout performance, I think even a better performance than Michael Shannon, who's just a great actor in every way. But she, the way that like her character is this wife kind of like takes some turns is sort of like, that's not how I thought it was going to like play out. So it's about to be a stereotype. And then um, Nichols just takes it to a whole other direction which was a nice surprise kind of throughout the movie mm. to always kind of like keep me on my toes of how is this actually going to go and play out? Christine, I, do you know the other movie this person directed? So he's done Mud, uh, that movie with Matthew oh, McConaughey, which good. surprisingly I, I enjoyed. He did Loving, too. Oh, um, I haven't seen that. Oh, my about God. About Loving versus Virginia. Yes, That got rave reviews. Fantastic. I did not watch it, but I'm glad to know that it's okay, really good yeah. and I want to watch well, it. Right. Um, this is the th- uh, second movie, or I think he's done three movies with specifically Michael Shannon. Hmm. Um and so, yeah, I, I the dire- the director's attention to detail and uh, efforts of building tension uh, and some really beautiful shots uh, of the of the of the yard of the house of the sky, really setting the tone uh, and building kind of this this tension throughout the movie. I thought was super impressive. Um, and I think when Connor, you bring up this point of like. Were there mo? I we were talking about this earlier. This is like it towing the line of like either cliche or potentially perpetuating maybe pro- like a problematic use of mental illness is mm-hmm. like this thing that this uh, as he's finding out that his mother was diagnosed as a paranoid sch- schizophrenic in his mid thirty or in her mid thirties is is this like what he's going through and it will hit like destroy his life and his family. I was like, Oh, is this where this is going? And what's going like, but as the movie progresses where you do see him Mm -hmm. trying to deal with moments in his life that are challenges and you see quite on from 
many respects a competent guy he's good at his job he's mm -hmm. well respected he has got good friends he's got good relationship with with samantha and his daughter hannah um but as he's sort of dealing with things that he can't quite explain yet he tries to sort of compartmentalize and and figure out having a handle on the situation he goes to therapy and and talks through some of his mm -hmm. his challenges and seems to actually have a pretty developing relationship with his therapist. Um, but in the moment, later on in the movie, she gets uh, to go to grad school at OSU and it's like, like and he can't for afford to go to Columbus and continue to oh, pay yeah. for the therapy <clears throat> that he wants. And so you see moments of him trying to just mm -hmm. figure this out and, and, and do the <clears throat> right thing and, and go through this, but little fractures and moments make things fall apart. But I also really loved the way that as you kind of watch him wrestle with these things, you also look at him and Samantha um, and their relationship with their daughter, who over the course of the movie, you understand, wasn't born deaf, but gradually lost her hearing within like the first six mm -hmm. years of her life. But her, uh, her deafness is never treated as a crisis. It's actually something that brings them together. Mm -hmm. They're learning signing together. Mm -hmm. And there's some beautiful scenes with the parents at, at her school uh, playing with her. And so I thought that was like a great detail in the movie to suggest that, at least what I took from the movie, is that through communication, this family actually can be like brought together through going through this situation. And Connie, you brought up that idea, uh, is it the classic man won't talk to his wife and so everything falls you know, apart? And Jessica I, I Chastain down, has the challenge yeah. of, of, of performing a character and write and performing this written character that's like, we're going to... We're going to fucking figure this out. Sorry, go ahead. Were you going to? I was just going to say, I wrote down, why won't he tell his wife? She seems very nice. <laughs> well, okay. So here's something that I, I did. As listening, I felt like I should weigh in on. What exactly are you defining as a cliche regarding mental illness in that sense? Because as someone who's like talked to a lot of people and myself struggles with mental illness, self-withdrawal is very real and very natural in that sense. So it's not really a cliche if that's where this is going what i specifically it's just sort of a reality what i specifically meant as a cliche was that like um sort of going back even like death of a salesman with willie loman not telling his wife like the economic troubles he's going through it was it just was like is the movie going to go down this path so is it okay so is it like more of a character uh critique where it's like more of a, a traditional masculine narrative of self-retreat that is like a flaw in like inherit to like mm. social masculinity exactly. or a critique of mental illness because in one way it's very real in the other sense if that's what you're saying then yeah i agree that sounds very uh, off base but it kind of reminds me of something like i had a teacher in college who was a clinician and i took um i took abnormal psych with her and so she we went over like case studies and stuff and she was telling us about this one patient she had who was schizophrenic and I always think about it and he's like sitting there talking to her and he's like very frankly is just like so like right now there's a man behind you with a knife and I know that like he's not real and like I know like based on all the all the people around me telling me that this is like not a real person but I still see him like he's still there so like what do mm -hmm. what do I do about this yeah. um and I think about it all the time and like she said like how chilling that was too but it's like this thing where it's like yeah like you know and it seems like it's kind of come up a little bit from like everyone in different ways from like reviews and, and things I've thought about in trailer and stuff you guys talked about seeing the movie and it's like this this just idea of like he's trying to deal with it and like even if like it's it's not a real thing like those anxieties and those things yeah, are still are there very real. Still yeah. real. so i still gotta deal with them in some way and so mm -hmm. i need to i need to figure out how what that looks like and what that is gonna be because you know if i'm if i'm wrong then i need to like fix this if i'm right then like you know i think that's where the too. movie totally avoids cliche and stereotype oh interesting is like going like confronting this idea like you mentioned how like oh i'm a competent i'm michael shannon i'm an engineer construction worker I'm person michael shannon. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm a very com i i can think about these things logically and nichols is like i think setting it up to be like don't like you think this is going to be a cliched you know husband doesn't tell his wife x because he's scared of this consequence but mm -hmm, he's like mm -hmm. i'm trying to like like there's a very valid logic to doing it aside from just i'm a tough man kind of person 
Yeah. Like, first and foremost, his goal, and this runs throughout the entire movie, but you don't really think about it till the end of like, I am protecting the good life that Mm -hmm. I have. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I, it's um, like super important to acknowledge like um, that certainly like watching a movie wrestling with like questions around like schizophrenia and things that, that uh, I haven't experienced and really trying to understand how the, the movie um, explores these different thematic issues. Um, I think to, to the point of the notion of retreating uh, a key scene too, is the idea of like when Michael Shannon builds this shelter that he puts so much care and time into. He's thinking about every detail um, that that the family ends up using at one point. There's a key scene. So he he goes to this Lions Club meeting and like yells at everybody in the Michael Shannon fashion. Like there's a storm coming and you guys are not prepared. And everyone's like, what's like what's going on and what's happening? Um, and there after that scene like he and samantha talk and she's like all right um i'm gonna we're gonna you're gonna go back to therapy we're gonna figure this Mm -hmm. out um but then that night there's a real fucking storm that hits uh and they all get up immediately and go to the shelter he's got everything he's got a bed he's got the gas masks they put them on and they all go to sleep and they're it's sort of like this this space that he's created and that he has brought them inside and they're safe from the storm. And then the next day he walks out of the store, out of the shelter and it's a clear sky. And so in those moments they were prepared. And I, I sort of thought that was a really interesting moment where he like brings them into that space Mm -hmm. uh, that was in that situation Mm. so necessary and so vital for them Mm. to wade through this storm and then at the end, well, it's like they go to Myrtle Beach and then uh, they're playing in the sand. And in the horizon, there's this like these little spirals of tornadoes. And then the daughter signs the uh, storm mm-hmm. and all three of them look at one another and they're like they nod and then they go back into the house. And so that's like the big question of. Damn. Is, like was what, this how are the we storm? supposed to read yeah. that? And what did you think of the ending, Connor? I thought it was very literal. Um, there's a great shot of where so it's Michael Shannon and his daughter playing on the beach in South Carolina, and then he's like they're making a sandcastle. So it's sort of like sh- he's teaching her how to build a home, which I, I don't know, was like for me it was like oh like he's kind of passing on this knowledge or whatever to his daughter and then she's the one that sees the storm not him and then signs storm we're like mm, good dj the, yeah 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 like yeah. hands mm. up and above and below her mm. at the chest level and then he looks like picks her up throughout the movie he picks like that child gets picked up quite a bit for like trying to protect what's like most valuable to michael shannon and sam his wife we've uh, got to move kid i'm michael shannon <laughs> Uh, and then God, I, just, I love Michael Shannon. He's so good <laughs> in this movie. And as Jessica Chastain is Sam is coming out of the house, um, she's like walking through like a screen door, and on the left and right are glass doors, and you just slowly see the tornado spiral in the reflection into like the ocean, and it's just sort of like that this world is now like surrounding them because so much of the movie is shot to be like contrasting the claustrophobia of like middle-class American life with, like, the big blue sky of, like, opportunity slash danger, if that makes Mm. sense. And now this, like, big blue sky is now turning black and gray and, like, tornadoes are descending upon this family. Mm. That's how I saw it. I saw it as, like, very literal, like, oh, the apocalypse is here. He was right. It's raining the motor oil, the kind of, like, yellow rain. It's also, like, you you guys kind of mentioning at the beginning, and it shows in the trailer, too, like, him just, like, trying to protect the things he has and i i kind of you know it's probably like a a white man anxiety thing too that like you know this like you know middle class like kind of thing of like like i have to imagine too like when you have those things like there's going to be this serious sense of dread that comes along with like the more you have the more you have to lose and so that means there's like this extra responsibility to like protect those things 
And I think about that, too, like as I, you know, get older and like have like more things in my life, too, where it's just like you you start to get those like anxieties and stuff. And so it's it's like interesting that inclusion in it, too, as well as it being potentially like mental illness and then just like actual real like things coming for this family on top of that, too. But and that's what kind of I was thinking about at the beginning when you were talking about the the double features you were talking about and like what sort of constitutes as realness i just saw mm. the end of this movie as no matter how you read it if the if the there's actually a tornado that's going to destroy the world or if this is uh the character acknowledging that he might be sp- seeing symptoms of like schizophrenia that uh like is is a part of him like it's it's real and it's acknowledged and i thought the fact that all three Mm. of them in the family see it and just acknowledge each other and it's like it's this storm like whatever it is whatever it is understanding like okay and he has he has the shelter and it's kind of interesting because the shelter was there on the property Mm. uh Mm. Like, mm-hmm. from the very beginning, like, from the very first shots of the whole, um, and again, it's, like, southern Ohio, so I guess they, like, have shelters there, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, kind of, yeah, kind of a lot to think about, um, and definitely had a lot, yeah, had a lot of questions about kind of the different themes that it that it brought up mm. and no clear answers. I like that there is like a but... vaguer ending to yeah. it too. That's cool. Yeah. It also kind of begs the question of like, what, what does doomsday mean necessarily? Is it like, you know, a literal sense or in a solipsistic individual sense? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Especially when, uh, battling, uh, illness. So yeah, it begs a lot of questions. <laughs> We're like, sometimes when you're dealing with, uh, you know, your own mental health issues, like a regular, day can feel like a, a mm-hmm. like a doomsday yeah <laughs> um even if there's nothing mm-hmm. extraordinary about that day <laughs> um which is a really weird thing to grapple with and and deal with when you're surrounded by people who it's just like yeah this is just a day <laughs> yeah yeah there's this comic by someone who is like kind of controversial but um this person oh, yeah. is like um pulling a paper towel out of the like the bathroom oh, thing yeah. and it rips and the person's like ha this isn't gonna bother me at all and then they try for it again and the other part rips and then they just start crying <laughs> and it's some like, of those are I've like been there yeah yeah incredible yeah well some in- intense themes and uh yeah well, any that, last thoughts connor it about? was kind of funny how it reminded me of a quiet place hmm. i was thinking um, a quiet place and you were mentioning like the father figure kind of protecting the family i think in terms like sort of themes it reminds me of a quiet place like you know family trying to stick together through this like apocalyptic event but also the idea of like sound is very heightened in this movie. Mm. Um, and for whatever reason, just like the framing of every scene, like how the house was built and how the people fit inside this home and sound of like all of, I feel like all of my, a lot of that recently, yeah. all my like mm. visual and aural senses were sort of just like on edge mm. the whole time um, of just like every sound could be like a tornado coming or like, how are they interacting with her daughter? And I think it was amazing mm. that like this child was not used as a plot device how you said it was like brought to like this challenge like it's just one example of how challenges bring this family together mm-hmm. i might have oversimplified it as a plot device but i thought it was important to note like like but you're right they- like other movies like do take like a child with like a a, a physical like disability mm-hmm. or something like that and that's like a thing that's kind of like surrounding it you know and this yeah is just treating it as if it's just regular life yeah like it yeah. is Mm-hmm. Yeah. One way where it does get a little plot devicey is um, Michael Shannon. Apparently, his construction job has amazing insurance, which uh, the insurance agent is like, "Wow, your husband has really great insurance. Good thing you can afford to get this uh, ear. Was it not um, the cochlear yeah. implant? The cochlear implant. If he loses that insurance, oh man, you won't be able to afford it." Is like a line of dialogue in the movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I can see where it's like going. Foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, that was a little heavy-handed, but the idea of like 
people's jobs are so like this, like insurance and health insurance is such like a fragile thing yeah. for everybody in this mm-hmm. country. Yeah, I think about kind of, that all the time. Yeah. And it kind of plays into like a situational, almost apocalyptic, right. uh, like a uh, scenario where in which if you don't have your job or the specific insurance, it yeah. could mean your financial ruin or, you know the pain of a family member. Yeah, like that you That's mentioned that apocalyptic. The, yeah. Uh, the therapist moving is like a pretty big issue for for him in this Wait. too. Like something like that where it's like your the the assistance you have is gone for whatever reason and what do you what do you do when that happens? And the steps he tries to take in those moments that he feels like is the right thing. Uh, yeah. which is building this shelter and using the money to do that, which he, in that moment, feels like is the most necessary thing. Mm-hmm. And you feel that with him, and you kind of, like, are watching him put so much time and effort into it, yet there go he's fired because he, he is missing too much trucks. job. He's stealing equipment and stuff like that. Um, well, I think, also have yeah. different, like, realities, like, people, like, are living in, you know, where it's, like... It, it, see, especially surrounding this like married couple like what what are the most necessary things like obviously for him it's this like bunker this like shelter he's creating where it seems like that is like the most necessary thing for the family to protect them and like how another person involved can have like such a different perspective of like what is necessary like to like save and like support the family like those are really interesting like yeah the dynamics to be bringing into this yeah, definitely. Get, I I feel like I still like Connor. Still, like thinking about the movie, and um, even this discussion got me to kind of recon like rethink different that like you all were mentioned about like kind of what the idea of using like um, the daughter as a plot device and things like that, and like I was thinking about like things that like assessments of movies that I might like oh like oversimplify yeah like the idea that like just like communication and talking it out can solve things and I feel like through this discussion like I was sort of like being like yeah why don't they just talk it out communicate everything like family can be brought together things like that and like by the end of the movie I think I see the end of that like coming storm as like a necessary acknowledgement that like it's like the cycle of like apocalypse after apocalypse that's real and very mm. feels very uh, a part of a part of life mm-hmm. and is necessary and people feel like they make decisions mm. based on that those very real feelings and yeah. the 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 film like the motor oil rain is like it's like raining brown and it's oily and he like puts it between his fingers and you really feel you're like yes this is real mm. <laughs> things are gonna get wild um anyhow yeah and michael shannon's furrowed brow doesn't get more intense than that true um i'm honestly really happy right now <laughs> yes oh god the scene in the lions club when he just flips a table and punches a guy like so Such apparently, uh, when they filmed that scene, they invited just members of, the, like, folks from the town, didn't tell them anything about what was going to happen, and just had them, like... Uh, Uncle Shannon flip out. Exactly, and they... Oh, yeah, I wait, read that. Were we talking about this? No, but I did read that, yeah. Um, anyhow. I think this is a movie that... I think a lot of people could like. Like, I feel like it's sort of... Christine, can, where is this available? Uh, I think I paid for it on Amazon. I paid for it on Amazon. Three ninety nine or YouTube. Yeah, three ninety nine on YouTube or Amazon. Okay, definitely worth the rental. Um, yeah. So that is take shelter. Uh, yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Oh man, Doomsday cut me. Yeah. Um, we're gonna take a quick break and come back and maybe talk about some Doom. Talk about some other things. Some days. Um, all right, bye. Stuart's been telling me how strange Curtis has been acting lately. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Seeing this? 
back. Uh, thanks for <laughs> tuning in. That's a definitive statement. So we are aggressive. back. We're back. Um, one thing I wanted to uh, bring up was, do you guys watch uh, or had seen any episodes of High Maintenance? Uh, yeah. Yes. Did you guys see the episode of where the guy becomes a prepper, but really it's his anxieties about his like wedding? Yep. Oh, no. And that the, good, and the so fiance is like, what the fuck? fuck is wrong with this yeah. guy and yeah. the more I was like t- talking about Take Shelter I was like oh my gosh this reminds me so much of this episode where it begins I think they're talking at like about like a barbecue about like oh like what would you do at the end of the yeah. like apocalypse kind of as a joke and then the guy takes it to heart and is like oh shit I have to make my prepping bag and you and slowly see him like implementing all of these like doomsday things into their lives and the fiance is just like what the fuck is happening here? Like, well, who who is this person I'm about to marry? Exactly. And you're right. You watch them, like, go through the whole wedding uh, pre-procedure. I don't mm-hmm. know what. In, pre-procedure sounds too clinical. Whatever. The, all the things you do <laughs> for a wedding. Preparation. All the preparations. Fucking, yeah. Anyhow, I thought it was, like, a nice connection to uh, a lot of the things we talked about and Take Shelter and sort of the merging of, like, imagining a real apocalypse, but through the lens of, like, huge life changes that you're going through. I mean, what is marriage but apocalypse? I, I mean... Hey, I'm, Alyssa. Hey, Alyssa. <laughs> Anyhow, um, we're going to do our whiteboard question, which is, uh, tell me about the apocalypse bunker that you had built. Uh, you can imagine it as, a, as an HGTV explanation, walkthrough, open floor plan, whatever. Uh, any ideas, folks? I mean, I think most bunkers have an open floor plan, right? <laughs> that is a very <laughs> compelling point, Tori. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've, <laughs> you've, uh, you've yeah, clearly identified I'm just it. assuming. I mean, I guess you could make it however you want to if you get the HGTV like, people on your side. Get the Property Brothers in there. Yeah, like I... I you know it's I get that it's the apocalypse but I still want a nice backsplash in my kitchen area you know like I think that's important like tiling um some of that granite countertops like I want all that shit obviously in there um but no I feel like like I would have a very like impractical bunker like I would have stuff in there that I know I don't actually need because I'm a collector and that's like how that goes where I'm like Yes, it, all of my favorite first editions have to come with me. All the stupid pictures and tchotchkes and like little things that remind me of people during the apocalypse. Like I want to, I want to keep all of those things, even though they're like not totally necessary. So I would definitely be like the worst person to move into a bunker with, because nothing I would want to bring <laughs> would be like practical stuff to Hor- have. Hoarders meets yeah. doomsday preppers. Mm. I mean, like some of the books and stuff, I think I can kind of argue away is like, what if these are like the last like books of like the you know for like future generations like at, living after after this like event or something? But um, you know, I don't think people want my my Hannibal or uh, Balrog Funko Pops like after. <laughs> When they're rebuilding civilization years later, but yeah, I put it on top of a very tiny pyramid and and a nice backsplash. I mean, if we can make as nice of a kitchen area as possible, I'd be down with that. KitchenAid just came out with a sifter and like wear attachment, which I want the fuck out of that in my bunker and just in life. KitchenAid sponsor us. (laughs) We need so many sponsors sponsorships. Yeah. Um. Anyone else? What's 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 your bunker? My immediate thought went to having arcade machines in my bunker. You're just gonna raid barcade before. Just raid barcade. Just like pull up some trucks, load them in. You better have a huge generator. I better have a huge generator. Or you could actually. I'll save that because I don't have an idea for mine. (laughs) Oh, but (laughs) keep going for it, Connor. Um, You're holding out on the good ideas. Well, I just can't. Well, whatever. Um, I think Tori going with you have like lots of movies to collect and books to like mm-hmm. read stuff once you don't have anything to do. I thought a lot about Ten Cloverfield Lane, which is another great. I was listening to movie. movie. I love that movie. John Goodman is crazy. <laughs> he's like twerking at the jukeboxes. He's... And John Gallagher Jr. Um, I would just imagine a doomsday bunker kind of like that, where you got your kitchen, you got your television, you got your jukebox, you got your scary rooms for whatever you need Ew, scary rooms you, for. You're already fucking freaked out because it's the end your, of the day. Your acid pit room. Why your you acid pit room. room? <laughs> 
I don't need a scary because room. Because it's based off of John Goodman's yeah. bunker in 10 Cloverfield Lane. So. Did you guys see any videos of escape rooms that were built off of that for to promote the movie? That sounds terrifying. Yeah, you had to escape from John Goodman's <laughs> doomsday I hate, shelter. I hate those things. Uh, Yelling at dinner. I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need people yelling at dinner. Uh, arcade machines. Yeah, that's, that's what I would want. Not a great answer. Sorry. Um, my answer is going to show how often I've thought about this. So first of all, it's about location. The perfect location has to be need, near a water source that's not salt water, but also you need some coverage. So I'm thinking mountains area. I'm thinking the Poconos. I'm thinking Lake Wallenpawpack. So I'm going <laughs> up there near Lake Wallenpawpack. So my bunker is going to be twofold. One. Top half. So it's going to be um, one of those like mobile um, tiny homes. So I'll get into the interiors later. But the tiny home is going to be for me after like the first invasion of whatever it's going to be, whether it's like um, environmental, um, whether it's like zombies, like whatever the fuck Russians. it is. R- Russians, right? So. Um, Zombie and Russian proof. Zombie oh, no. Russians. <laughs> um, the the tiny house is for phase two. Phase one is underneath. Now um, these are going to be here at the same time though, so I can like move in between both. On top of the tiny home is going to be solar panels. I'm going to try to like have as much electricity as possible. Use the water source if I have to. The um, underground bit, the bunker bit, is just going to be like an average, like mid-century modern abode that I would have in my home now. I would have everything that I own in there. So it would include like all my furniture, all my picture frames, all my movies, all my books, my cat. Um, and then the tiny so home. So you're also not going practical. With no, the, with absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. But here's the thing. The way that I've built this bunker is like it is a regular home and you're, life is just allowed. continuing. Yeah, yeah so um, nothing changes in my life. I'm prepared. <laughs> yes. I'm fucking I prepared. It. I love it. <laughs> um, you know, I'll have a couple rooms just full of non-perishable items that I can use whenever I need to but the thing is is that I'm going to live in this apocalypse and eventually like I'll raid supermarkets and other things like that and it'll be totally fine in phase two when I'm living in the top Going Sam, to the- you said you were definitely going to die the last time we, we did an apocalypse well I mean it all depends It uh, truly it all depends on like what it's you going to be you give me like be. two more years I'm going to save up for all of this all like, of this, this stuff leveled bunker uh-huh, yeah if it's immediate I'm dead if it's in like a couple years great we're gonna be fine <laughs> one time my dad laid out his plan if he like knew he was gonna become homeless to us and we were in the car one day <laughs> we we're just like okay i guess people think about this <laughs> all right i mean i think about this all the time i don't <laughs> yeah. lady panic she comes um but um my... this movie sounds like it was about lady panic <laughs> so my cat is with me and chris evans you have an open invitation anytime you want You'll know where it is. You just <laughs> so announced like a Chris it. Chris Evans entrance. Uh, yeah, but like where in Lake Wallen Palpac? It's a big you don't lake. It's a big it's lake. A big lake. It's, it's a big, big old place. So come at me. I like it. Come at me, Chris Evans. Is there only space for you and Chris Evans? Okay. <laughs> it's a tiny hole. And your cat. And, your and, cat. My cat. and his dog. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was not a good prompt. Bunker. Bunker. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so hot. <laughs> air conditioning. I wouldn't do air conditioning. I feel like I'm in a bunker Check right one. now. All right. Oh me, uh, I'm going down with the shit, baby. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Not built I, in a I've, I've had an exhausted day, and I, I don't even feel like vacuuming. So like, I'm not maintaining a bunker. I'm not doing that. Uh, I'll just be out in the street with everybody, yes. nudging the person next to me, saying like, "This is really some shit," and that'll be that. Love it. <laughs> That's funny. I love it. Honestly, that might be the best way to go about it. God, a bunker yeah. sounds like. So- Watch watching this movie. It's like, man, bunker's so much work. I feel like that would always be at the bottom of my to do list. Hope. Just, just get it over with. Like, after all these other things in life are accomplished, I can build my bunker. Right. No, see, top of the list. Because <laughs> it's going to come for me. Um, 
Those are a great idea, Christine. I don't know. I thought about the generator, and I was like, if you had a bike down there, and you could just like (laughs) bike and yeah, create it like power it by essentially (laughs) have a gerbil gerbil wheel, wheel. and then maybe like a uh, a la the Martian, like a like a little sad little garden. Yo, that book is so good. Wait a minute. Um, I'm not to interrupt you. No, but I'm I, that's having, all like, I had. This I had weird, speaking of fever dreams, have we talked about this? So during Y2K, this because <laughs> it's so hot. And maybe I heard this on a podcast. During Y2K, there was this one dude who bought as many guinea pigs as he thought he would what? need that would be his sustainable food source for the apocalypse. So like perhaps how okay. much meat is on a guinea pig? Sam, how many guinea pigs have you? I don't. Had? I don't even know. But like this dude, I someone else has had to hear hear this before. I feel like I heard about this. Maybe yeah. Nope. I feel like he. So he bought like enough guinea pigs so that they could repopulate. Like and like whatever, and he would have like three to hundred to four hundred guinea pigs at one time. That's so many. Uh, have you guys seen those? Uh, I don't know. Is it like the f- 500 Club? What is that? Like Christian? What the is religious? Yeah, the yeah, 500 yeah, yeah. Club. Seven, the 700 Club. 700 Club. What? Uh, there's like a show. Or maybe it's not on the 700. S- whatever. Seven? No, 700 no, Club. S-Club some show was a TV that's show. like somehow. We'll uh, go <laughs> back. Whatever. It. I don't know if it's related to this, but I've seen videos of this guy saying like revelations to happen. The end is nigh. Uh, buy buckets of cheese, and he's selling <laughs> huge me, buckets I was of gonna cheese. Say, sure, <laughs> and like rice. It, I, it's no. just like huge. Buy, buy cheese, something extremely perishable. <laughs> or no, it's, it's cheese and broccoli soup that comes in vats and like rice. <laughs> and there's a whole audience, like a studio audience. It's like yeah, and they're all gonna walk away with like end of the days amounts of. Like rice Oprah. and cheese and broccoli. Yeah, essentially. And you get cheese and broccoli. You get a wheel of cheese. You get a wheel of cheese. Honestly, I'd have that wheel. You get a gerbil. My gerbil you wheel gerbil. will be made of cheese. So while I'm what? eating the cheese. Sponsors, if you want to give us wheels of cheese. <laughs> I will unbox so many wheels of cheese. Whew, man. Yeah. Uh, on God, that note, uh, any any uh, announcements, acknowledgements, um, uh Stop. Shout out! Uh, you can send us emails, butter with that at butter gmail with that butter with that gmail. podcast podcast at gmail.com. Gmail. <laughs> butter with that one. You don't have to shape it in that many times. <laughs> butter, butter with that hyphen butter with that dot com. Uh, all right, uh, yeah. Brought to you by Wix. Great squares. It's also, uh, Chill and Kill Horror, Tori's uh, horror movie night. Aww. Thanks, Aww. There's also uh, Alyssa Arts, um, who does some really wonderful paintings. She does. And uh, really great visual art. So check them out. Oh, and Cinema 76. I write things for them. And my partner just wrote a Godzilla list of like the best Godzilla movies to watch before you watch King of the Monsters. He's such a big so. boy. He's a big boy. But you have 16 more yeah. movies to watch. You have to amend that. Okay, Sam, (laughs) there are 32 Godzilla movies. We've watched half of them in two months. Is that not enough? It's not a complete list. I'm just saying we've watched a decent amount where several of them are callbacks in, like, they have callbacks in this movie, so. (laughs) I'm just saying. We will return. Also, check our letterbox, because I I have a kaiju list going on my letterbox with, among other lists. I keep all of a list of like all the movies that we do and on here and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So, yeah. Tori writes really great reviews on Letterboxd. Woo! Sometimes, other times, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this was fine. <laughs> uh, a review I saw on Letterboxd for Dark Phoenix was, "Yay, these movies are over." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> five stars for our friend." Like marking the end. Writer was writing a review, so they couldn't put a proper one in yet. So instead of writing embargoed like he normally does, it just said embargoed. <laughs> We're like, "Aw." <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> so long. 